And um, whether there are 20 here, 80 here, 300 here, when people gather in the name of Jesus, he's working. And uh, I really loved it when Jacqueline made that declaration. Our voices are released or something, and we're, you're going to keep hearing from us. That's good for us, men. That's good for us. Okay, that's enough of that. No, I, I can't get myself out of trouble this morning. I, I, talked, I talked last week about hope, and um, I'm going to talk about hope again because, honestly, I don't think we can get enough of it, right? Um, there are so many things in the world today, probably in our own lives, that might point us towards despair, hopelessness. Read the paper, listen to the news, call a friend. It's just a lot of, it's hard out there. It's really hard out there. You know, I'm reminded that uh, our president, you know, he, he ran uh, two, two terms ago, right, on hope. And we want it. We long for it. We still want it. We still long for it. Um, the reality is, though we can say as Christians, we set our hope on the resurrected Christ. I mean, that's a great message right there. That is truth. That is a firm foundation. It's also not always easy. There's, there's other reality out there. So um, I'd be interested to hear from you, and you can speak anonymously. In other words, you can pretend like it's somebody else you're talking about. What is it that we set our hope on today? What do you see people out there setting their hope upon when it's not Jesus? So just vocations. vocations. So sort of like your ability to do or earn, that kind of stuff. Okay. Bank, account. bank account, money, marriage. marriage, or relationships in general. Set their hope in another person, maybe. Power, what a, power. power. security, security. Education. education, fame. Wow, we're an ugly people. <laughs> no. no, this is real, right? What else? Children. Children. What do you mean by that? Right. As if you can have life in and through your children rather than in and of yourself. That's good. Nothing from this section. Retirement. Retirement. Okay. David. Yeah, intelligence, wit. Like I'm first up. I told the I told the worship team this morning. I like to wake up when it's early because I feel like I'm ahead of everybody. <laughs> Over here? Other. Yes. Insurance. Yeah. Man, watch Sunday afternoon golf and you think that that's the most important thing in the world is in every insurance company. Accomplishments. Yeah. See, there's a lot of stuff out there that that seems like a good idea to set our hope in. Um, sometimes I, I sort of see these two uh, sides we can fall into. Sometimes our hope is set upon something that's completely us centered. That turns into pride. That is, I can do it. I can make a plan. I can accomplish the plan. Um, as a uh, as a, a preacher of the gospel, as a believer in God, sometimes I can set my hope on my gifting rather on, than on the one who gave me the gift. I mean, a lot of us, we can find ourselves. And that ends up in pride. Um, you know, my ability to plan and execute or whatever. And sometimes we can set our hope... Uh, on something completely in disconnection with the reality of our lives. And what I mean by that is, uh, the, the psychiatrists call it magical thinking. Well, I believe in God and I've set my hope on a check will come in the mail tomorrow. 
I haven't worked. I haven't I don't know what I haven't done anything, but somehow God will miraculously provide and read through the Old Testament. He does it all the time. But if we set our hope on a miracle outside disconnected with our reality, with God, that's called presumption. So I'm not speaking against faith, so don't throw anything at me because some of you are looking a little ugly right now. There's pride and there's presumption. And in the middle stands hope. Pride says, I can do it. Presumption says, I don't have to do anything. It'll just work. And, and neither of those are, are foundations upon which to set our hope. It's, it's this combination that I always talk about. It's God's part and our part. It's the part that only he can do. And it's the part that he won't do because it's ours to do. And that's as a, as a kingdom of God people, as a vineyard movement, as a now and a not yet people, that hope stands right in the tension. There's stuff that only God can do. And then there's stuff that he calls us to do. And somewhere in the mix and the tension and the cooperation in that is how we walk out hope in life. And I, I want to talk about that um, this morning. There's a real practical virtue in the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God. It's, you know, last Sunday we celebrated Jesus beat death. So there's hope for everyone, right? And at the same time, who this morning is already living in their resurrected body? Uh Uh-oh. So Jesus beat death once and for all, showed his hands and his side, you know, showed glory could come to the earth. And yet we are still in mortal bodies. When I got up this morning, my knee still hurt. And I can't wait for this body to go away so that there will be no pain. Heaven is coming, right? But we live in hope in the midst of it. So I want to talk about hope, and I'm going to throw out a lot of stuff about hope that I think will help us look in the right direction for hope in life. Hope is the expectation of fulfillment. Despair says, I'm quite certain that I will be unfulfilled. Hope says, definitely fulfillment is on the way. But hope is the expectation of fulfillment based on God's promises and God's actions. That's sort of a definition of hope I want to run on. The expectation of fulfillment. There's a good plan. Jeremiah 29 and all of that stuff. But that that plan is based on God's promises and God's actions. We cooperate them. But God is the beginning, the middle and the end of our hope. Otherwise, we'll find a hope that is disappointing. Because let's face it, all of those things that we talked about that you could put your hope in, every single one of those has the possibility of failing. That great marriage relationship, those awesome kids, that incredible bank account, that vocation, those gifts, that security, those relationships, you know, that edge on the market, that, those, all of those things. In this life, they all have the possibility of failing. So in order for hope to be long-lasting, in fact, in order for hope in our lives to be eternal, it's got to be based in something eternal. And that is the promises and the actions of God. So hope is, uh, well, it's Hebrews 11.1. It says this, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. There's a difference between faith and hope. Faith is that confidence that what we want, what we hope for, will actually happen. So what is hope? Hope is all about trust. 
Hope is trust in God's promised future at God's desired time by God's appointed means. That came to me, and I thought it was pretty good, so I'm going to say it again. Hope is trust in God's promised future, in God's desired time. You see the rub there, right? By God's appointed means. Let's pray. So, Father, we ask in these next uh, 10 or 15 minutes, Lord, that you would infuse us with hope. Lord, instruct us by the Holy Spirit. I ask uh, for this vineyard church to be abounding in hope. So, Lord, from all the places that we come to you today, some great places of expectation and hope, some confidence and some despair and some difficulty, and some don't even know where we are today. Lord, lift up our heads. Your promise is that you are the lifter of our heads. Lift our heads this day from our circumstances and let our eyes be set on eternal hope in Jesus. Lord, do the work that only you can do and give us faith and inspire and empower our wills to do our part. In Jesus' name, amen. So a couple of practical realities about hope today. Um, hope implies waiting. Everyone say, yay! <laughs> hope implies waiting. Romans 8. Here's Paul. He says this, And we believers also groan. Romans 8 is a great chapter. Romans 8 is all about victory. You know, starts with no condemnation and ends with nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus. But there in the middle of no condemnation and never-ending love, there's groaning. Because Paul lived in reality. So he says, we believers also groan. Even though we have the Holy Spirit within us, as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering, we too wait with eager hope. We too wait with eager hope. Hope implies waiting. For the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children. We are his adopted children. We haven't yet been given the full rights of heaven. I mean, we're getting taste of it, right? We walk in our adoption. It's true about us, but we just can't live yet completely in that reality because these bodies, this world of sin. So we too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. See, the hope is it's, it's here. We have it. It's theirs for the taking. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. I mean, that's, to me, that just seems like, I mean, Paul's a little schizo. It's like he can't figure out which one is true. Is it all here and great or is it really hard? And the answer inevitably is yes. Because he lives in the now and the not yet. But he's hanging on to hope. So hope implies uh, waiting. How many of you love to wait? And there probably is someone. One? Wait, I heard stories about you this morning, Chad, from the lady on the worship team, so you can. Anyway. You like to wait? One. You're going to stand up here afterwards, and you're going to pray for us all. (laughs) 
Waiting's a hard thing to do. It's, it's, it's really difficult. I remember when, you know, when we were waiting for our first child, when, you know, Jane was pregnant with Sarah and, you know, we had the, we had the room ready for the first child. We had the room ready like eight months ahead of time, right? For Johnny, we're still scrambling. You know, like, and he's going to college next year. You know, you wait and you wait and you, nobody wants to wait. And yet waiting is crucial, right? Those nine months of preparation in the womb are crucial. We know that because sometimes the children come before the nine months and we've got to scramble. Right? It's crucial. Waiting is implied in hope. Isaiah 40:31 says this. But they who will wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This uh, passage came to me this week and I just I remembered uh, driving up to Toronto with Judy and Keith Gilbert a couple of years ago. And Judy was waxing eloquent on Isaiah 40:31, And I, I remembered. So I emailed Judy and I said, what's that brilliant insight you have about Isaiah 40:31? Because I want it. And she said, she said this, in um, that word for, uh, let's see, those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. That word for, re- for renew, it's used like 19 times in the Old Testament. One major usage is the word change or exchange. Just later in Isaiah 40, that same word is used and it means change or exchange. And so, so Judy said, when, when I look at this verse and I look at waiting for the Lord and my strength being renewed, she, she said, I picture it like this. It's not just my strength, like getting battery charged up that will run out again. It's a changing of strength. It's God exchanging his strength for mine. I thought that is really good. And Judy just said, I got the email. It's got exclamation points like it's better to have God's strength. So uh, I want to encourage you that, yes, hope implies waiting. And some of you are doing it right now. Some of you have been doing it for years and years. And hallelujah. That is faith speaking right there. Hope implies waiting. But in the waiting, in the necessary waiting, you are being formed. God is forming you. It's like that nine months. You just think it'll never end. And whatever season you're in, I would like you to take that place of waiting and say, Lord, I'm going to wait. And in this waiting, exchange my strength. Lord, don't just renew this strength because this, this one's going to run out again. But give me heavenly strength. The filling of the Holy Spirit. Exchanged strength. There's a transactional nature to waiting. It's not just wait, 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 and then we get something. It's in the midst of the waiting. A transaction is happening. We're expressing our faith. We're living in hope. Something is being formed and grown in us. And we don't want it. I mean, like, we just want the outside, but... You know, when at nine months, my experience is when that baby arrives, you go, oh, God, thanks for waiting. It's perfect. So there's a necessary implied part of waiting in hope. The other side of that is hope changes everything. In in the same time that we've got to wait, that's implied, that's implied in, uh, in hope, hope itself Believing that what what you expect will come in, you know, in God's desired time, by God's appointed means, it changes everything. Hope has incredible power. Isaiah 43, verse 1, it says this. 
But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, two words for the people of God, it applies to you. So hear this with your own name. But now thus says the Lord, just give your own name there. He who created you, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name and you are mine. I'll tell you, that is a verse of hope right there. And it's hope that's all based on God's previous action. I mean, look what he says. He says, I created you, I formed you, I redeemed you, and I called you. That's worth a sermon series right there, but I'm not going to do it. But write it down. Someone else can do it or write the book about it. I mean, that is powerful what God has done. He says this, I've created you. That means his power has been invested into our lives. He says, I've formed you. That means he did it with purpose. He says, I redeemed you. Which to me says there was already provision made for your sin. You see, I can't help but get all the peas in there. It's just like waiting to happen. And he called you. Which says to me, this is personal. This is not just, you know, hey, people of God, you're created, formed, and redeemed. But hey, Keith, you're created, you're formed, you're redeemed, and I've called you. Boy, that's that creates hope. You know, it's when... It's when somebody remembers your name and says, yeah, I want you. You're like, man, everything's good now. So hope changes everything, and it's all based on the actions of God. He's created us. He's formed us. He's, he's redeemed us, and he's called us very personally. So I'm wondering if we can feast on that truth today. Just walk out the door with that as a truth, as a, as a foundation for our hope. Isaiah 43, 1. He's already done the work. You've already been created. You've already been formed. You've already been redeemed. You've already been called. He knows your name. He's not the least bit sorry that he called you. And that's reason for hope. But there's more. Isaiah 43, 16 to 19 says this. Thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea. Okay, so just to give you the context, Isaiah is looking back to Exodus. Isaiah is looking back to that time when the people of God were in bondage. You know, Moses did his deal, plagues and all sorts of stuff. Come up to the Red Sea. God parts the Red Sea. The the, the Israelites walk across cross on dry land parts the sea and then as soon as they get to the other end the sea envelops the Egyptians that's what Isaiah is looking at he's saying remember back then this is the one who formed and created you this is the one who redeemed you this is the one who called you he knows what he's doing remember he's the one who makes a way in the sea a path in the mighty waters who brings forth chariot and horse army and warrior that's the Egyptians They lie down. They cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. So our hope is based on God's actions. But there's instruction here because Isaiah says real clearly, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Isn't that interesting? He just said, remember God who did all these amazing things. And in the very next sentence, he says, but don't think about things of the past. 
What's he talking about? I think what he's talking about, don't think about your things of the past. Spend all your time thinking about God's things of the past. Remember, he made a way in the waters. He took care of the Egyptians. He created you. He formed you. He redeemed you. Hey, I know some of you. That took a lot. I'm one of those. He redeemed us. And he called us with purpose, very personally. But Isaiah says, you know, that's all the good stuff that he did. But forget the former things of your life. And how many of us get stuck and go down a road of despair and hopelessness because all we can remember is, but last time I, but remember when. And every time you get to that, but remember when, and I blew it and all that, can I just say, it's the other guy speaking. Romans 8.1, there's therefore now no condemnation for those of you who are in Christ Jesus. The sin's been forgotten. God washed it away like he washed away the Egyptians. So we remember what God did, and then we forget very specifically what we did. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. And he goes on, behold, now this is where hope stands. Right in the middle here. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. And God declares it. Now it springs forth. And then the question, don't you perceive it? You know what my answer is? No. I don't know if I do. But hope says, God, if you said you're doing a new thing, I know it's coming. I'm sure it's coming. Fulfillment is on its way. In your perfect timing, by your appointed means, According to your perfect plan, that's hope. That's hope that's always looking forward. You know, outward and upward, not backward. Part of the way that we bring hope to one another in the family of God is we just help one another look forward. You know, I have a friend here who constantly, uh, let's just say sometimes I can look back and, and see bad things about myself. Sometimes, okay? And I have a friend sitting in this room today. They know who they are who is constantly saying, let's not talk about that. Sure, that was real, but let's not do that. Let's look forward. We stand in hope, friends, right? And sometimes that's just what we got to do for each other, you know? We stand in the hard place and we look ahead. <laughs> yes, I know that, but look out there. There's hope. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? And we stand in the now and the not yet and say, God, I don't know if I perceive it. Like Thomas, I believe, but help my unbelief. I want to see it. I want to live it. I'll take a step in faith towards the future that's filled with hope. And then God makes this de declaration through Isaiah. I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Hope implies waiting. Hope changes everything. Hope also means there's a test coming. I mean... Hope is really irrelevant until it's tested, right? I hope this chair will hold me. Really means nothing until I sit in it. I mean, hope has to be tested. And so that's why God says, I will make a way in the wilderness. We've got wildernesses out there and rivers in the desert. There's lots of desert, even in Indianapolis. But God's making a way and we're the people of hope. We're the ones that walk through the wilderness. And get water. We're the ones that walk through the, the, through the desert and get provided for. Hope is based on God's actions and his faithfulness. 
And hope looks to God's plan, good plan in the future. And hope walks through the test with confidence. But many of us are right there in the test right now. We're standing in hope and the test is there. And we, you know, it's tempting to say, when you feel all sorts of hope and then the test comes, it's tempting to say, you know what, God, certainly that cannot be you. Because we think if it was you, God, it would be easier than this. And I think that's why Isaiah speaks for the Lord and he says, I will make a way in the wilderness and I will give you streams in the desert. And, you know, I don't know that I have anything more practical for you this morning other than that our hope is built on all that God has done and promised. It's huge. That he's got, he's got a perfect plan. He can be trusted. That he's got perfect timing. With the exception of one, <laughs> we may not want to wait for his timing. But God has purpose and plan. And even in the midst of our test, he's infusing us with strength. The resurrection is not a one-day event. We live a resurrected life. Resurrection implies... Anybody? Death. <laughs> Resurrection implies death. We want to talk about the life of the resurrection, but we don't want to face the death. The power of the resurrection can't be seen unless we face death. I hope you're being filled with hope. Because this is where we live, right? We live in the now and the not yet. Some of us have got a lot of not yet. And we're praying for more and more now. Well, now is the step ahead. Now is as we press forward. Now is when we walk in hope and we encourage one another. Yeah, I see what's happening, but we point forward. To where God is acting on our behalf even in the future. So don't fear the test. Expect the test. But by all means, don't lose hope. Let's pray. Let's take a minute to be quiet with hope. Father, we uh, sit here this morning, our hearts set on the hope of the resurrected Christ. And now I ask that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you give us vision. Lord, let us see your work in the past, your redemption, your creation, your formation, your calling in our lives. And Lord, would you give us Holy Spirit blindness to all of those places where we know we have blown it. It's reality. But Lord, give us faith and the ability to stand in the present and look to the future and to do so with hope, knowing that even if the test is there, Lord, that you have provided a way for us to move through it. I 
I ask, Lord, very specifically today for each person that's here, would you apply this truth this morning? Let us open our hearts once again to hope. In the name of Jesus, would you drive despair away and doubt? And Lord, if there's anyone here that's alone, I ask, Lord, for hope-filled friends to gather. We need it so much. Thank you for making us a family. Now, as we close, would you stand? I want to read the benediction from Romans chapter 15. This is Paul's proclamation over the Romans. This is God's proclamation over us. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you'd like someone to pray for you this morning. If you need someone to stand with you in hope, then you're free to come forward. We'll have a team of ministry uh, people up here and they would love to pray for you. Or maybe you need to sit for a while in hope. Maybe you need to turn to someone that you're sitting next to and, and pray together. However you need to respond, do that, knowing that God has made a way for you. So go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Have a great day.
Thank you.